Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves County Radio. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host for the hour, Larry Smith. On today's program, a one-hour exclusive special on protecting Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian nation as on the cups of summer solstice and the National Day of Prayer for the Protection of Native American Sacred Sites. On June 20th of 2019, Hawaii State Government announced that the construction of the 30-meter telescope, the largest telescope in the world if constructed, could be built on top of the culturally significant and sacred site of Mauna Kea. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves Cowdy Radio. You can hear when the moon shines bright, the lone On the eve of summer solstice and the National Day of Prayer for the Protection of Native American Sacred Sites, June 20th of 2019, Hawaii State Government announced that the state had granted a notice to proceed with the construction of the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope project on the Big Island shortly after the unauthorized removal of four structures on top of the culturally significant and sacred site of Mauna Kea. The 30-meter telescope is being built by a consortium of partners in the 30-meter telescope International Observatory, Partners include the California Institute of Technology, the University of California, the National Institutes of Natural Sciences of Japan, the National Astronomical Observatories of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, the Department of Science and Technology of India, and the National Research Council of Canada. For this exclusive interview on today's program, I speak with longtime indigenous activists, musicians, cultural practitioners from the Hawaiian Nation, Lolani Teal and Liko Martin, on their response by the Hawaiian state government's authorization to begin the construction of the 30-meter telescope on top of the sacred site of Mauna Kea. And now, Hawaii state violence in attempting to desecrate the sacred site of Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian nation. This is Lalani Teal and Ligo Martin responding to their reaction by the state. Well, certainly we were expecting them to do something stupid, but we weren't expecting them to do something this stupid you know, where they actually went up on the day right before the solstice ceremony that we had planned, that we have every year, you know, and um, went up at early in the morning, like a thief in the night, literally, mm-hmm. and um, with worker crews and just 
absolutely unceremoniously demolish two sacred sites at the summit, three sacred sites at the summit, you know, two shrines and one traditional hale, one traditional thatched house, and one outpost station that was down towards the bottom of the road, which that was not blocking anything. I mean, none of these were actually blocking anything. And, you know, that bottom one is also quite heinous because it was on Department of Hawaiian Homelands land. It had nothing to do with the TMT, but it was demolished in the same action. So basically, they were sending a message that, you know, the state as a whole was quite prepared to just oppress Kanaka Maoli, you know, the indigenous people of Hawaii just outright and was going to be brutal and was not going to care and was going to just be absolutely thorough in their destruction and go further than was required even for the construction of the the matter that was in that was in question, which has not gun and you know that is the real battle that will actually start so this was really just a very heinous action designed to send a message you know it's sending a message to the people and it's sending a message to um you know um it's sending a message to us that this clearly is war you know that they are fully prepared to be brutal and it's sending a message to their business investors that they are, you know, um, prepared to be brutal because they feel that that is what is needed in order to court exploitive businesses to Hawaii, including the TMT. You mentioned um, summer solstice, uh, June 21st in the Gregorian calendar, but it's also a day, a national day of prayer for the protection of Native American sacred sites. And so indigenous peoples are right. uh, gathered, you know, throughout Mother Earth at this time for prayer and for ceremony to, for the protection of all sacred sites, in, including Mauna Kea. And the fact that the state would begin this heinous action um, as uh, state perpetrators in the desecration or the beginning, des- well, the continuing desecration of um, Manokea and the sacred site. And I was wondering if maybe you could kind of speak to that because it, all, it, it almost seems or it does seem like the action is more compounded, more egregious and more heinous by the time that this action takes place, but also just the struggle over Mauna Kea, going all the way back to the first master plan, if you will, back in 1983? Well, you know, I think that this particular action really does speak to the connectedness between all of us. And it really does show that this is not just a Kanaka Maoli struggle. This is an indigenous peoples of the earth struggle to protect Mother Earth and to protect the most sacred and highest mountain in Moana Nui, the Pacific, and, you know, which all of us are Pacific peoples, right? Um, the Tongva, the Chumash, you know, all the way across 
to the, um, you know, the peoples in Okinawa and the Philippines and, you know, um, the Formosa and all of, of those places and all of our islands in between, you know, which is why when we were in California, we were able to connect so readily with the indigenous peoples there as well as the Pacific peoples of Samoa and Tonga and Belau and the many, many people who stood by us in this struggle because it is their struggle too. It is their Mauna too, you know, and this timing of the state to do this desecration right at the solstice when, by the way, we were about to honor a great star keeper from Aotearoa, from New Zealand, they call it, you know, who was a great Maori starkeeper who worked with our people here for decades in Hawaii and specifically on Mauna Kea. And it was the day that we were to, you know, honor him because he's recently passed. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, his name is Kahu Oterangi. And we, you know, had this great duty to, you know, carry his manao, his knowledge, and his struggle to protect the mountain there. And lo and behold, the state just completely did all of their rage on the Mauna that very day. So, you know, it just kind of goes to show that it's not just about us as Kanaka. It's about all of us. And it's about the indigenous people on a, on a day that we are all as indigenous peoples, right? We're all celebrating. I mean, I'm sure that indigenous peoples in Finland are celebrating the solstice, you know, and people in every part of the world, every part of the world celebrate that same day because that is a place where we're talking about the relationship of the earth and the heavens, right? Which is the very thing that this, 30-meter telescope is supposed to study and the very thing that it destroys. So, you know, that is why it is so important for us as Indigenous peoples, you know, to be aware of what is happening in each other's lands because it does affect us all. And, you know, that is why it's very, very, very important. And as you said, you know, the peoples of California are incredibly important in this particular struggle because the TMT, where these decisions are being made, is located in Pasadena, California. And, you know, the key decision maker there is Dr. Edward Stone, who um, is at the California Institute of Technology, and he is the person who is, you know, pushing for this, along with the governor of the state of Hawaii. Those two people are basically pushing this project forward over all common sense, all logic, all human rights, you know, and um, if anyone there in California would like to express themselves to Dr. Stone, his phone number is 626-395-6809, and um, he can be found in the California 
Institute of Technology at MC290-17. So that's his office. And we've gone up there and spoke to him. And perhaps he needs others to do the same or to write him letters. And um, his email address is ecs at srl.caltech.edu. ECS at srl.caltech.edu. And that's Dr. Edward Stone. He's the um, he's the elder gentleman who was responsible for the Voyager space shuttle that took messages out into space. And so, you know, hopefully he understands messaging and um, maybe we need to send him some messages from Earth you know, to wherever he is at, because he clearly does not understand the importance of protecting the earth and the need for science to evolve so that it aligns with what we as indigenous peoples have known since the beginning of time, which is you do not destroy what is under your feet to look at the heavens. In talking about... uh the Hawaiian um, uh, state governor, David uh, Inge, he announced that the Hawaiian Supreme Court had ruled that two of the ahu, or the uh, sacred shrines, be removed from the TMT site as they, quote-unquote, did not constitute a traditional or customary rite or practice. And, and I was wondering if you could maybe respond to the state governor and his announcement of the Hawaiian Supreme Court's decision regarding these um, uh, shrines? Well, I think that this is a paradigm that a lot of us as Indigenous peoples are familiar with, which Mm. is colonial settlers who are Mm. asserting what is and is not a traditional practice in our culture, you know, and um, basically they generally don't consider a traditional cultural practice valid unless um, it, A, no longer exists, like Mm. is no longer being practiced, right? Right. So if it's dead, basically, then it counts as a traditional practice. Or if um, it's making them money, and if it makes them money, you know, then they're all about it, right? So basically, those are the two criteria that I can see for being a traditional cultural practice as far as the state is concerned. But because we're neither dead nor making them any money, we're not considered a valid traditional cultural practice. So, you know, I don't really consider the state's criteria in that regard valid. I think that we as Indigenous peoples need to be very clear that those two criteria are not really good criteria. And in fact, they need to get the criteria not from themselves, but from the indigenous people. I mean, in this case, they didn't even have a token person. You know, usually, quite honestly, they will find a Hawaiian that they can buy Mm -hmm. who will rubber stamp the idea that, oh, no, this is not a traditional practice. In this case, they can't even do that. Nobody is going to say that those are not traditional practices. Mm -hmm. Nobody, no qualified expert whatsoever, you know, is going to say that. Because they are traditional practices. Mm -hmm. You can't build a hale or an ahu 
in a non-traditional way, you know. Right. Everyone knows that the people who built those places are established, authentic practitioners who have been trained with generations and generations of great practitioners behind them. Hmm. And, you know, so there's there's way to invalidate that except by using you know, the criteria of the state that I described, which are you need to be either dead or making them money, period. And you're listening to an exclusive interview here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio on protecting Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian nation as on the eve of summer solstice and the National Day of Prayer for the protection of Native American sacred sites, Hawaii state government granted notice to proceed with building, if completed, the largest telescope in the world, the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope on top of the culturally significant and sacred site of Mauna Kea. And now back to our interview with longtime Indigenous activists, musicians, and cultural practitioners, Lalani Teal and Liko Martin. Well, it almost seems like there's this um, uh, duplicity in the executive and the judicial branches at the state level working hand-in-hand with each other to further colonize, destroy, and attempt to exterminate um, indigenous people of Hawaii. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not only those two branches. There's also the legislative branch, and they're complicit as well. And, you know, it's basic settler colonialism. And the problem is that since the kingdom has been held back, you know, basically held in exile within its own land at gunpoint, then the settlers have not had a place to identify that is valid, right? And that, that's been a very serious problem. When we had an active, thriving kingdom, you know, people came in, immigrants came in, and they settled here. And they knew their place in the kingdom, and they they became part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that was that was an integrative time in which there was a lot of balance between people. However, since the kingdom has been um, basically occupied, and you know there has been this this state of Hawaii that is not even legally valid under international law or even their own laws, the settlers don't actually have a valid place here in Hawaii because there's nobody to give them that validity. And so they seek to attain validity by killing us off. You know, it's the idea that, you know, if if we don't exist and assert our indigeneity, then they can basically be equal to everyone else in terms of rights. That's the idea, including the right to exploit the land. And Mm -hmm. that, of course, as you and I know, uh, is not a right Right. at all of any kind. Um, However, upheld as though it were a right. Mm -hmm. And that is the problem that we have, you know. People need to understand that human rights are protected by indigenous rights. All human rights Mm. are protected by the protection of indigenous rights. Earth rights are protected by the right of indigenous rights. The right to exploit is the only thing that is not protected 
by indigenous rights, and that is because it's not a right in the first place. In addition to indigenous human rights is also the rights of Mother Earth, which brings us, you know, back to the struggle, you know, at Mauna Kea. And, and for our listeners that don't, you know, haven't seen, you know, what's taken place, you know, over the generations out there and don't fully have a visual reference to uh, the responses by indigenous peoples over uh, the struggle of the 30-meter telescope and previous struggles there at Mauna Kea. I was wondering if you can give our listeners a sense of the indigenous peoples of Hawaii's response to this proposed 30-meter telescope there on at the ground zero or at the grassroots level, and, and what's been the response um, over the past week since the, the state gave the approval to begin construction of the 30-meter telescope? Well, certainly our people are prepared for a real battle. You know, as I said, this was not real battle. This was a sneaky offensive action, you know, that Mm. was just basically a a hit. You know, it was kind of like a a false crack, a punch in the back of the head, you know, but it was not, um, it was not real action, but you know, it was, it it definitely got everybody up on alert. So I think that, you know, people are prepared for a long, potentially a long battle. It's not going to be pretty. Nobody's going to come out of it clean, you know, and it's unfortunate that they would choose to, um, to engage like this, you know, and I can tell you right now that we will win. Um, I don't know for sure whether they would be able to assert the level of brutality that would enable them to cause some degree of destruction before we win. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now that We know who's going to win this battle because we know who has the tenacity, you know, and we know who will absolutely not ever give up. And that would be our people, you know. And so, you know, and and I would think that they would know that, too. You know, but they're a little stuck in themselves right now. But um, but essentially, yeah. So what we're doing right now is we are calling in our allies from everywhere, and particularly in the science community. Mm-hmm. We're really looking for people to call upon their peers at the California Institute of Technology, in particular, but overall. You know, all of the TMT partners, they're all listed on the TMT website at tmt.org. So if there are any scientists out there listening, you know, now is really a crucial moment where you can do something awesome by helping to shift the entire paradigm of science. Because I'll tell you, if the TMT pulls out of Mauna Kea, that is a huge shift for the protection of Mother Earth, for the alignment of Mm. science with the protection of Mother Earth. Mm. And if if we can get some pressure on the people who are listed as the board of directors on that tmt.org website, we may be able to shift them out of this crazy road that they are heading down that is going to get them nothing but heartache 
and a place in history as the idiots who tried to push through a really, really, really bad idea, you know, and only had the positive effect of waking people up to what a bad idea it was. You mentioned earlier in the conversation the role that California Institute of Technology plays, and and certainly um, they're one actor out of many that are part of the TMT International Observatory, which will which would run the telescope if, if it's constructed, right? The big if, and, and it won't be. But there are other actors that are part of this, and, and we've talked about it before on the show, and one of those actors um, is the University of California, and both you and Liko were traveling through um, the indigenous nations of California earlier in the year um, to, yeah. to raise the critical consciousness about the University of California's role um, over over this struggle. So I was wondering if you could kind of revisit that for our listeners and get, and what happened with uh, the University of California. The, Cal- the University of California is a major player in TMT. They have one-sixth interest in TMT, which is big interest, hmm. right? So the... The University of California, the University, um, the the California Institute of Technology, the Gordon Moore Foundation are the key funders Mm. in TMT. So the University of California, we addressed the Board of Regents of the University of California, who very interestingly were having a struggle at the time with their unions because they're not paying their people because they're saying there's no money and yet they're taking millions of dollars to fund this billion dollar disaster, you know, um, much more than a billion, but, you know, this incredibly large fiasco of destruction. And so we're basically sending the message to the University of California that, hey, you know, here's an easy win-win solution. Don't build a telescope and, you know, pay your people. Take care of your people. Get them health care. You know, give them the things that they really need. And I think that that message would be really wonderful to echo everywhere. You know, their students need housing. Their people need food. Their, the children of their workers need child care. And those would be much better investments for a university than this awful, stupid telescope. And so, you know, if people can echo that message, that would be really wonderful. So the key, the key places are, um, first of all, the University of California at Berkeley. Um, there's the CFO of the entire UC system, Nathan Brostrom, is in office in Oakland. And he is the treasurer of TMT. So sending him that financial message would be really great. There's also Dr. Henry Yang, who is the chancellor at UC Santa Barbara on Chumash land. Hmm. And um, we spoke with Dr. Yang. And, you know, I think he kind of gets it. But, um, you know, whether he can really shift the paradigm here, we don't know, you know. And so he should probably be reminded of this also. There's also, um, th- there are board members also who are at, um, 
at UC Davis and, you know, other other places throughout the UC system. The entire UC system is involved. In UC Santa Cruz, we have wonderful student response at UC Santa Cruz and community response, you know, and they have their associate director of TMT is at UC Santa Cruz. And, um, you know, and uh, he is a uh, conscious environmentalist who wants to build TMT on our mountain, you know. So, you know, then that's Dr. Michael Bolte at UC Santa Cruz. So I think that these folks need to be reminded by the community that building this on you know, on Mauna Kea is not okay at all. And you're listening to an exclusive interview here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio with longtime indigenous activists, musician, and cultural practitioners Lalani Teal and Liko Martin on protecting Mauna Kea, the Hawaiian state government's violence, as this past June 20th of 2019 on the cups of summer solstice and the National Day of Prayer for the protection of Native American sacred sites, Hawaii State Government announced that the state had granted a notice to proceed with the construction of the 30-meter telescope on the top of the sacred site and culturally significant site of Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian nation. That concludes the first part of our two-part exclusive interview. We're going to take a short break here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio, and we'll be right back.
Hawaii Stand Together, words by Liko Martin and performed by a variety of indigenous Hawaiian musicians here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio. In the final segment of today's program, we continue our exclusive interview with longtime indigenous activists, musicians, and cultural practitioners from the Hawaiian Nation, Lalani Teal and Liko Martin, on protecting Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian Nation. This past June 20th, 2019, on the cusp or eve of summer solstice and the National Day of Prayer for the protection of Native American sacred sites, Hawaii State Government issued a notice granting the notice to proceed with the 30-meter telescope project, a $1.4 billion telescope project on top of the culturally significant and sacred site, Mauna Kea. And now back to protecting Mauna Kea with longtime indigenous activists, Lolani Teal and Lego Martin here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio. Lalani, this past June 25th, there was a public hearing for the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination Systems Permit renewal process for the 30-meter telescope project. The permit's good for five years and allow the TMT project to discharge stormwater to receiving state waters subject to special conditions during constructive activities. And this permit was issued with approval several days after the state approved the commencement of the construction of the 30-meter telescope project. Your thoughts? Well, certainly just the fact that they would do those state actions without even having the permit for the stormwater disposal, which is very, very significant, is really, really problematic. And, (laughs) And that's not the only Um, permit that is outstanding. They have a whole number of things. We don't really know where the sewage discharge is going. You know, they're talking about two million of sewage taken down bi-weekly, as well as toxic mirror wash, you know, that's supposed to be carted down the mountain and taken where? You know, what processing facility in um, on the Big Island has the capacity for that? None. None. So, you know, there are so many outstanding things that have not even been answered at this point yet. And Mm. that that they're they're still giving a notice to proceed, you know, like, oh, yeah, we'll just figure that out later. Well, you know, that's really, really not okay either. And Mm. so, um, so I think that that hearing is very important. And again, it, at that hearing, you have 100% of the testifiers are saying stop the TMT completely. You know, 100%. Just like the hearings 
um, they just had to change the UH administrative rules. They had them on three different islands. Uh, there were five meetings on three different islands, and everyone, 100% of the testifiers on every single island stood up and said, stop TMT. There wasn't one single person that came out and said, yeah, build it, you know, or yeah, change the rules, you know, uh, so that you can manage the area. Not one single person. And these are peaceful, nonviolent people. So no one was threatened. You know, it was just that they don't exist. And, you know, not no one who cares enough to show up at a hearing and say these rules should be in place or this storm water should, um, permit should be given, you know, there, these people do not exist. So this idea that Hawaii supports the TMT is just simply wrong. It's absolutely wrong. It's, and it's proven by every single hearing where there's unanimous, cons- you know, um, uh, consensus to stop this project. For people that are listening to the show and, and with the understanding that it's been a week now since the state has in, engaged in further uh, violations of indigenous people's uh, fundamental human rights and the, the desecration of sacred sites, the um, illegal removal of forest structures and, and these sacred shrines, what can listeners do to um, to help, to respond, um, to empower themselves, to be supporters, to be advocates for indigenous peoples and for Mother Earth for future generations? Yeah, I would say, you know, first of all, start out in your own communities because all lands are indigenous lands. And, you know, find out what is going on on those lands and support the indigenous peoples in the protection of those lands. And that is very important. And if you're involved in other kinds of protection, you know, environmental protection and things like that, make sure that those efforts are aligned with the efforts of the indigenous peoples, because that is where the power is going to be to make it pono, to make it right. And so I would say that's the, that's number one is start out where you are. Um, number two, uh, as far as Mauna Kea goes, go to protectmaunakea.net to learn more. Protectmaunakea.net, that's a, a standalone website. And you can also follow Protect Mauna Kea at, um, on Facebook. That's updated regularly. There's also a Twitter account and things like that. But certainly the you know definitely follow along with what is going on on uh, Facebook and on the web that would be great um, certainly watch the TMT you know uh, this is a classic multinational corporation you know disguised as a scientific endeavor that yeah. is um, destroying sacred places so this is a great place for people to get involved, you know, look mm-hmm. at what's going on. Look at our look at our website. Look at their website. You look at the contacts on their website because they have everyone listed from all of the different countries that are participating in this telescope project. And you can um, find out that information and perhaps talk to them. Talk about 
community things. You can also um, you can also email me laulani at gmail dot com, and um, you know if you want would like to get involved or at protect Mauna Kea um, at gmail dot com. Those are two different um, contacts that people can. Um, can feel free to contact if they would like more information, if they'd like to get involved. And I would say that most of all, look at in communicating with others. It's, it's very, very important. A lot of us have scientists in our immediate circles. That, those are the people that we need to reach. Mm. We need to reach the people who are in this world of a great thing that needs to shift. And right now, it's science itself that needs to shift into harmony with Indigenous thought, Indigenous practice, and Indigenous ways everywhere worldwide, starting with this great summit in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, Moana Nui. Thank you, Lilani. I'd like to talk to uh, Liko. And Liko, just given your uh, living experiences and and all these sites of struggles that Indigenous peoples of Hawaii have fought over for, for generations, what was your reaction when you heard about the Hawaiian state government granting the permission to proceed with the construction of the 30-meter telescope, a $1.4 billion project on top of the sacred site, Mauna Kea? Well, you know, in, in, in the game of chess, uh, once you've made your move, uh, you have to wait for the other person to make the move. And um, this is clearly uh, one of our dear friends through the movement said, you can always count on the state to do the wrong thing. And by doing, by doing something, a lot of people would question, is that wrong or is that right? You know, who's in right here? And that's uh, fundamentally... What's missing out of this, what is maybe not had enough discussion, is to let's go back to the root of this now. Let's, let's, what is the seed that is causing this, this uh, contention? And, you know, one day it's uh, all rainbows and sunny in Hawaii. Next thing you know, it's erupting and people are upset. What's why? And I, mm-hmm. that's, and I think that is very important. And it involves the people that... Are they are in underneath the United States? Okay, the very many people in historical circumstances of all the people, but the the, the uh, connection, the karmic connection between Hawaii and the United States, and I'd say this government is goes back to initially with the Treaty of Friendship that was put in place during the 1850s under Kamehameha the Third, peace, uh, friendship, commerce, and that. And then just fast forward to 1893, and, and along with that treaty were treaties with 30 other uh, countries around the world. Little is known that the Hawaiian kingdom was primarily responsible for bringing together what is now uh, has evolved into the United Nations. It was called the, the Family of Nations, the League of Nations, but the Hawaiian kingdom being a neutral power and still a neutral power under the, the international law in 1864, served to balance the powers in the Pacific area. Uh, and uh, obviously then in 1893, when the coup de main took place, when without the authority of Congress, an act of war was committed in conspiracy with the 
the sugar planters and the foreign minister here, mm-hmm. the karmic effect of that, I think, is best described in the words of Queen Liliuokalani, who in 1897, in one of her final pleas to the people, she pled to the honest Americans that they would rise to the occasion and and right the wrongs, lest the curse, what is known as the curse of Joab, shall fall upon them. Mm-hmm. It's not in their time, in their children's children's time. And the mm-hmm. children's time has come, and this is so important. Seemingly, you know, Hawaii's uh, purported, you know, gold uh, coconut trees, we're going surfing, and oh my, let's go. But the importance of Hawaii mm-hmm. for maintenance of peace, to, to say, lift the scourge, of the wrongful acts that are being committed without the knowledge of the people who live in the Americas. And this may seem, well, you know, it's a point in history, we can't go back there. We don't want to take the time to go back there. And, you know, right now we're just going to battle it out. But without the fundamental understanding of what is causing this situation by the powers that be, the university, all of the investors, without them accept, accepting Instead of the historical and semantical, you know, perversions of historical fact that give the impression that the Hawaiian Islands are belonging to the United States and so are their people, uh, this is a political myth, and it it is uh, it endangers not only us as practitioners and all of the people here who who live here, regardless of where they came from around the world, it endangers world peace. And this is one of the greatest things, the challenges that, that we're all facing now, the environment and peace. If we fight over the environment, we're going to be going to war. If we can understand that our greatest battle is to do the healing and apply the proper uh, technology to them the best, and, and um, you know, and rather than taking for want, but using for necessity, which may be an indigenous trait, you know? that this is where we need to focus on. So in my where my my reaction was, okay, it's on. They made the move. They've they've done something that is, is you know, which opens up a fissure in the ground. Fissure's been opened up. Now what falls into the fissure when it opens up? Sometimes you have it it devours houses. People are too close to the edge and they end up falling in the in the caldera. And then you have explosions and things. So this is somewhat of an eruption. I, I you know, take it just like the eruption that took place uh, about a year ago. Okay, and it, it has many different facets. It's composed of many different elements, and we have to use it as an opportunity to uh, address the issues surrounding why that would happen. And you're listening to an exclusive interview here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio on protecting Mauna Kea in the heart of the Hawaiian nation as on the eve of summer solstice and the National Day of Prayer for the protection of Native American sacred sites, Hawaii state government granted notice to proceed with building, if completed, the largest telescope in the world, the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope on top of the culturally significant and sacred site of Mauna Kea. And now back to our interview with longtime Indigenous activists, musicians, and cultural practitioners, Lalani Teal and Liko Martin. Well, I'm listening to you, you know, share, and, you know, I can't help but um, in people understanding you know, the history and how that relates to how we got to 
where we are today. So, you know, with the Hawaiian nation, you know, the 1893 illegal overthrow of um, the monarch and, um, you know, the complicity between the Calvinist and the Committee of Safety and, you know, even um, the United States Congress um, and its ultimate um, annexation, if you will, and then how that plays into Americans' lack of understanding of that history and relationship today and how people have the still this romanticized um, stereotype of Hawaii, uh, the birds of paradise syndrome, you mentioned, you know, the surfing, the, right, the tourism industry, the luau's, the hypersexualization of um, indigenous women and appropriation of culture and, and, and how all that is uh, plays into complacency, if you will, of uh, American citizens in responding accordingly to the struggle over Mauna Kea. Let me share that thing. Okay, now okay. imagine, you know, art in the field of archaeology, right? All of a mm. sudden they discover man in, in uh, Africa and they date it to so-and-so. and then, But everybody says, well, there's a gap. How did we get from here to there? And then all of a sudden there's another archaeological discovery and they say, look at what I found under this rock. And no matter, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, it's a circle. Things go around in a circle. And I'll introduce this, this where we are at now, so that we don't have to go back necessarily and go back in history and time in our minds, you know, while we're trying to be here at the present. I will share with you briefly uh, what I read to the excerpts from a letter from, uh, to the uh, Board of Regents in California. And then there were many things, lots of emotions, and the experts that had come from Hawaii. It's like, what could I really say? What, what am I supposed to say here? And I quoted from out of a letter of, um, it seems like history, you know, what has happened? We've been put into bottles, uh, you know, put in alcohol, you put the Hawaiians. It's, it's history. It's not living. But all of a sudden, these letters in the bottles have been going out for the last 50 years, actually from the time of Lilo Kalani. A particular person, Alfred Desaias, a legal expert for 40 years with the High Commission for Human Rights in Geneva, near the end of his, 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 uh, his you know, performances there, after receiving 40 years of reports, and I'm sure and actually a number was given to one of those reports that I filed, from the Hawaiian Islands, you know, he just could, he, he was compelled to write a letter to Secretary General uh, Antonio Guterres and the members of the United Nations, a three-page letter from a legal expert, by the way, which, and he concludes by, with, and its subject is regarding the application of international law in the Hawaiian Islands. Now, I'm sure the United States uh, representative to the United Nations has received that letter. And it brings history. This is how we sometimes miraculously catch up. It brings all those events right to the forefront of the international community. And that's where we are right now. And that's why it's so imp- it, it can be crucial, not just for Hawaii, but crucial for the maintaining peace and security and, and a civil, you know, in, in the world that the United States, um, and basically he says in that last paragraph, the ongoing plundering of the Hawaiian Kingdom private lands 
you know, mm. currently under U.S. occupation. It needs to be brought under immediate investigation and intervention because of the legal consequences and the liabilities. Okay, this is so for all of the listeners, for the people of America, this is where we at. It's coming now. Right now, you can watch Iran. Hawaii is 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 a is a volcano that that is not just smoldering. The fissures have opened up, and if people are not careful, not paying attention, they are oh, now, nah, man. You know, they're gonna get swallowed up in it. Okay, and and um, you know, and natural law will prevail always. Yeah. We can do all the writings we want, but natural law is the ultimate law. And so what can be done now, you know, everything that Laulani spoke to, and just, uh, it's going to be, we're going to have to carry this out of Hawaii. And, and I, I can see that the, uh, in other words, you, you, you know, until you exhaust the remedy or until somebody does something, you can't take it to, the, to your superiors, so to speak. Well, they've done something now that will, would, that in my observation, is going to be necessary to bring this issue of what I would call misprision. Misprision of treason, where you have something like Dr. Desires, he describes it as some strange form of government in the Hawaiian Islands. Okay? I'd call it misprision. And basically, you have just this mash of, of uh, it's just like a casino. Okay, and that's literally what, what I think has been said in place here. And people are seeing that at the casino, the big table, at the big table, you have the TMT and the bids are in and it's on, you know. And that uh, this is because of political corruption. You know, I studied for years. I was born 1945. My father was an American soldier that came to Hawaii, married my mother, who was ancestors, you know, uh, with the Hawaiian Kingdom and in Ireland and in, in China also. And it just behooves us to take stock and, and deal and deal with this properly. Yeah. So so this is, I mean, what can be done? It's what we're going to do, how they're going to respond to it, how, how we're going to move it, and in what attitude that we can bring it. Uh, not to condemn the United States, people who have no idea of what happened in history, people who were not responsible. It's like the other day I was watching the hearings for reparations on, for the slavery issue. And people were saying, well, you know, uh, you know, why are you going to, you know, we are not, you know, involved in that. Yet, you know, there is still the residue from that, from those conditions that still exist. And in Hawaii, the, the Circumstances are very specific, and there is remedy. Okay, but political corruption. Like I watched recently, and I've been studying some films from the Tokyo uh, trials. And it, the one of the uh, judges, I think judges from the Netherlands, that eventually went on to uh, set up now with the International Criminal Court, where the Rome Statutes apply to individuals of war crimes, genocide, things like that. In his opinion, issued was that. Things, atrocities that took place was due to political corruption. The, the reason why this is happening, I think, really needs to be brought to the forefront and, and given the, the oversight, proper oversight that is due, because it, it, the liabilities here, of, to not just to, to the Hawaiian people, but everybody, people buying property, the, you know, title insurance, and what happens if all of a sudden... You know, Hawaiian Kingdom reinstated, which is kind of coming down the line. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, it's so big that the title companies went bankrupt. You know what I mean? So it's, it's very important 
you know, we're trying to bring this to the intention of the the university system up there. If they want to bring help Hawaii, help it in the right way. Bring the right kind of science in. Don't bring this outdated stuff that that you know ends up. All we have is secondary treatment plants. What needs to happen on Mount Akea needs to get up there and clean it up. The moment of silence is over. And that was longtime Indigenous activists, cultural practitioners, and musicians, Ligo Martin and Lilani Teal from the Hawaiian Nation, speaking on protecting Mauna Kea, where this past June 20th, 2019, Hawaii State Government granted permission to commence the construction of the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope on the Big Island of Hawaii on top of the culturally significant and sacred site, Mauna Kea. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio. A special thank you to our guests, Liko Martin and Lalani Teal. A special thank you to our musical guests, Aragon Star, Kupa Aina, musicians from the indigenous peoples of the Hawaiian Nation, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves County Radio is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For more information on protecting Mauna Kea, you can visit the website at protectmaunakea.net. And that concludes our show for American Indian Airwaves County Radio. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. against our fears Try not to become what we've endured Wearing our souls on the thread The moment of silence is over